Hello and welcome to We're Not Singing Anymore. We're three mates, we're all in different parts of the country, all in lockdown, in isolation, and all passionate about football and passionate about music, be that soul, blues, country, rock and roll, gospel, and who knows what else besides. We've got no gigs to go to, we've got no football matches to go to, so every week we agreed to uh, talk to each other, But instead of just moaning every week about how bored we all were in lockdown, what we thought we'd do is pick a theme and come armed with a a memory, a story or just something to laugh about based on that theme. We split the podcast in two halves. So there's a half. The first half is about football. The second half is about music. And we publish them as two separate mini podcasts so people can listen to the one that that they particularly want to listen to. This particular half... Is about football, and although we're Blades, two Blades and one Sunderland fan, we hope the stories are interesting enough for, for other people to enjoy as well. So, let's get going. Hi, well, here we are again. Uh, we're in the, officially in the 10th tenth, tenth week of lockdown. Um, and uh, obviously we do this normally on Zoom, so to keep in touch, but because... Um, because I've had a bit of a problem with my eyesight, I decided to uh, <laughs> drive, drive up to Gateshead to check that your eyesight was all right, Charlie. And apparently it's not. So, well, well, and, and sorry, I wasn't in when you <laughs> when you arrived, Jeff, because I'd gone down to Leeds. Oh, check, well, check, Tony. check if Tony's in. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'd gone to Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. Anyway. And so it goes, and so it goes, and, and where so, nobody knows. Yes, but let's not get too political. No, we, no, we won't do that. We're just having a laugh. So that's where we are. And uh, yeah, all right. And in this half, we're going to talk about uh, football. So we'll do our normal, have a brief <coughs> synopsis to to tempt those well, literally millions of uh, listeners now, perhaps. Let's start with you, Charles. What do you have? Uh, I've got someone who. Uh, started, but then was finished, but rose again to bigger things, from a fantastic player to an unbelievable manager. There you go. Tony? I'm going to talk about the 92 club, and um, first and last matches and memories in between. Very good. Very good. I have a simple juxtaposition of brutal and sublime mm. what i should what, what i should have said actually and didn't is that the uh, the theme this week is uh, i think we called it i've started so i'll finish so it was a, it's about starts and finishes and starts and ends beginnings and ends however we've interpreted it and of course we we take a theme and we interpret it loosely and try and find some stories around it and uh, we'll be taking that theme in part two into the music section, doing exactly the same. So I think we're going to kick off this week with you, Tony, I do believe. Yeah, OK, well, 92 Club. Um, I think most people, or certainly most football people, will know what's meant by the 92 Club. And 
it's about me it's all about me Absolutely and right. back back from the late 50s to 1981 um, and during that time, I managed to go to all 92, match, 92 grounds, as they were then. Not, not all watching the Blades, but um, majority would be watching the Blades. Um, and of course, these things change, don't they? Because from 81 to now, think of all the grounds that have mm. come and gone. I've never added up how many I am now, but, but I was 92 in, in, in 81. Well, you did... You think, you actually got to 92 grams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, well done. At, at, at a point in time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the grounds like Aldershot, Chester, Barrow, Workington, places like that that just aren't on the um, on the league list anymore, but uh, but still knocking around, I think, in the lower levels. Um, so, so going back to mid to late 50s, um, the first... First away ground that my dad took me to was Huddersfield Town, and so not too far. Mm. Only a young kid, and he took me, and um, and it was it sticks in my memory that game. A because we won one 0 which is always a good nice place to stick in your memory, but also because playing for Huddersfield Town then was a very very young Dennis Law. Um, at a time when he well, I can't remember whether he wore glasses when he was playing, but he wore these round rimmed glasses as a kid and what would it be 18 19 then probably um mm -hmm. so just as a little quiz question to test you dennis law played for an italian team he did. can you remember who it was torino torino yeah correct oh, he doesn't miss a thing does he old no. charlie no. Eh? Well, he used, to, he used to he used to be a personal friend of Torino's manager at the time. Did he? All <laughs> oh, right. He yeah. turned up in a bar once in Newcastle, and he thought yeah. he'd have a chat with him. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, spot on Torino. And let me fast forward you thirty. Did it take me nearly thirty years to do that? <laughs> twenty, twenty odd years to to nineteen eighty one, and I finished it with the blades away at Newport County and would you that was the old third division and would you believe we lost 4-0 at yeah. Newport County yes I would I believe yeah. yes so what a, what a so I'm, I'm I'm happy that I've done it you know really pleased miserable miserable as sin because we lost and had a drubbing 4-0 um, good but you know some of those some of those old grounds though that not not the ones that have disappeared but some of the old grounds that you've been to um, that don't exist anymore where clubs have moved on to pastures new. I'm thinking like Eastville, Bristol Rovers. That, that was a strange place. Oh yeah, I used to live round the corner, Tony. Ah right. Okay. When I was a student and uh, literally used to could walk to the game and uh, yeah, yeah. see United there. Uh, yeah. When uh, Alan Woodward, sure, was he playing? Would he have been playing? No, he Quite probably. Been. Um, yeah. But yeah, I United there. Speed, but, uh, speedway track going round. It was, wasn't it? That that took the atmosphere away, didn't it? Old showground at Scunthorpe. That's a that was a that was an interesting one. Got old stone ground, Brighton baseball ground, Derby. That was what a what a cabbage patch that was. And not and not only a cabbage patch. Uh, I can remember. It was a, 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 a trying to get in 
and being told you need to go in through here and everybody went in through there and mm. literally you walked in through the gents toilets for some <laughs> it was but even the women yeah i mean you just went in through this turnstile and through go through here it was mm. chaos but you can scoff these places can't you oh. it were there were proper football grounds weren't they i mean they were look, great. compare i mean i've not been to pride park but you know, compare it to there. I mean, they just don't stand comparison really, because um, that, that's that's how football started and, and was meant to be really. That's why it's Leicester with Filbert Street. Um, but couldn't see them all with the blades, so we had to get some others in at, at different times. You know, so if if United were postponed for whatever reason in winter or snow, we'd we'd go somewhere else and, and see yeah, a match. Right. We were going to Oldham. Which is a pretty high high ground is Oldham. United had been postponed, but I don't know if it was home or away. Three inches of snow on the pitch, orange ball. It was just ridiculously cold. And but it was a I think it, they beat somebody five one, I can't remember it was, but it was such an exciting game. Um Hartlepool. I might have said to you about Hartlepool before. I don't, don't think I saw United there. But it was so windy in Hartlepool in the middle of winter. That the metal numbers off the scoreboard are flying off. <laughs> God knows how many, you know, health and safety these days. You'd no way you'd see that, would you? They're flying off into the crowd. You know, um, you know those early London, you know, when I was a kid, going with my dad and big grounds, and they were fantastic trips. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd sometimes we'd go out the night before and go on the overnight train and it was just it just fun. Yeah. yeah like an adventure yeah. it was a real adventure yeah. yeah and um what were those corner houses in london that that we'd have some breakfast you know just oh not, like, Lloyd. um, not lloyd's was it uh i can't Golden remember <laughs> no before that charlie um <laughs> and anyway, i can't remember the best, it, you know we'd have some breakfast there and, is it the one that samuel peeps used to quite probably um anyway lions lions corner houses the old den anybody ever been to the old den Millwall? no but abandoned abandoned waterlock beach saturday afternoon <laughs> they got to about 20 minutes and and it was just ridiculous they abandoned it replayed it on the monday night following oh, so down God. again to Millwall. You know, in the days of Crips and Kitchener, do you remember those brutes? <laughs> brutes at the back. What they grave? What they grave diggers? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, I mean joking apart, they were they were fantastic players, but they were hard, and uh, it, it wasn't a very pleasant place to go. I have to say, um, but we won. We did win on the replay, so uh, on the rearranged game. Um, Carlisle away. Now that was a good trip. Comes to mind because do you remember Peter Cooper who used to write the mail? Yes. Sport. Well, we just happened to that the lads who were going to just happened to get in the same carriage as him going up on the train. So like those compartment yeah. trains. And he got chatting to us and he took a he took an interest in us, you know, and he, because we tell him we go everywhere and um and he 
and he started writing things down in his notebook and asking us, you know, about backgrounds and all that. Lo and behold, Monday, back page of the Daily Mail, he does an article on this in the... He covered the game, obviously, and then did an article on these travelling Blades fans that he went up with. So that, that would have been at the time when getting in the Daily Mail was something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All um, oh, oh, the memories of going to London with, on the train, and we were friends with two lads who worked the train, so they worked the buffet and restaurant between London, between St Pancras and Sheffield all the time. And um, so the night before they'd left the train, they prepared the carriage, you know, because they were working, one, one of them would be working on it. And they'd put steaks, they'd put nice juicy steaks in the fridge, in the restaurant car on the train the night before. So, so they're cooking these steaks on the way down and bringing them out, um, courtesy of British Rail. <laughs> um, but all good nice. fun and all in the rich tapestry of completing your 92 away grounds. Very good. And um, as I say, I must, I must add them up again and see how many I've been to now, but I bet it's probably no more than 70 or so. You know, when you, um, the FA Cup starts up the, the early rounds and, yeah. you know, the BBC have, you know, take me, let's follow a particular club from you know from beginning to end for them as it were and i always sense you know as, as the competition goes on and then the start and this maybe there's more lower league clubs playing playing the big hitters on on their own ground as it were that there's like a bit of a patronizing tone taken by the bbc you know about about these grounds and about you know the bedrock of the club. and it comes across as a bit hmm. Patronising, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These superstars not being used to the uh, bobbly pitches and all this and all that. Yeah. 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 Leave it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I haven't, but I know Jeff has. But, but I think if you've ever been to see West Ham at home recently, then then you would lose all patronising oh. feelings for these Absolutely. old grounds. <laughs> Absolutely, you would. Absolutely. Yeah. That's me done on my on on the on my night of doom. That's great. That's great, Tony. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you very much. So, well, shall I uh, shall I move quickly on the of my bit? Uh, I am mindful that just on occasion, um, Tony and I have been well could have been <laughs> accused of gloating uh, about the fact that we're now in the Premier League and what a wonderful turn of events it was when Chris Wilder came and the magnificence of the team and how wonderful it all is. Um, I thought it was worth uh, uh, reflecting back that it's not always been that way, Ramalane. So I've got a quick start and, uh, and, 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 a, and, a, rather, and a, a rather classy finish, I think. So, uh, so a quick start. Now, uh, uh, when we were last back in the old Division 1. Dave Bassett, <coughs> Bassett bought one Vincent Jones, Vinnie Jones, to, uh, to join us in our first division. Now, you know, fair play, every team needs an enforcer. Uh, we've had a few. Uh, uh, a guy called Charlie Hartfield, who, who, mm -hmm. who 
very famously uh, uh, left-hooked Eric Cantona down at Bramall <laughs> got sent off. Uh, George Santos, Tony regaled us only a couple of podcasts ago, who uh, with, a, with a flying tackle that uh, kicked off a riot, ended up in six men on our side and match abandoned. Uh, you can pick up the details on that on pod six or seven or something like that. Uh, but Vinny came and he was a he was a record breaker, absolute record breaker. Uh, we went to Man City, kicked off five seconds into the game. He picked <laughs> up a yellow card. <laughs> five seconds. Uh, it was the it was the wonderful David Ellery who was the uh, referee at the time. You might remember, and he oh, was yes. it was somebody we hated at Bramley. We felt he was completely, um, you know, biased against us. Um, but I've watched it back on YouTube, and on this occasion, he was absolutely right. Um, so that was it, record breaker. That's my quick start. Well, it's not quite my kick start because I think we're always mindful that, uh, as Mr. Wilde said, you can always improve. You know, it's all about getting better and better. So in 1992, FA Cup tie, uh, Vinny had moved on to Chelsea, and, uh, and we played them in an FA Cup in 1992 and he managed to shave two seconds off his off his record <laughs> by, by getting booked in, in three seconds for taking out Dane Whitehouse so so basically yeah in in, in the start of self-improvement he, he, he took he took a magnificent two seconds off his personal best clattered Dane White at Whitehouse and was booked in three seconds so you might you might think you might so that was some start to the game. You might think you might think, um, God, what it must be like to have a hard man like that in your team. Well, just to let you know, we also signed somebody called Billy Whitehurst from Hull, and oh, he yeah. was he was described as the hardest footballer ever. <laughs> that is a quote by one Vinnie Jones. So. <laughs> I think that I think uh, I think that tells you all you need to know. And I, I was just reading up about it, and apparently, Harry Redknapp, when he first put his son Jamie on as a sub for whoever it was, Portsmouth, but whoever he was running, he had one instruction: avoid that maniac Whitehurst. <laughs> <laughs> so there's me. There's me quick start. Um, the finish I want to talk about, uh, and the great finisher is just to talk about Keith Edwards. Uh, 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 Keith Edwards was born in Middlesbrough, played for us in two spells, 1975 to uh, 75 to 78. I think it was in 81, 86. 171 goals, 293 appearances. Uh, fantastic goal goal scorer. That's all he was, wasn't it? But he was so he was so good at it. He he was the I think he's the only player who was the higher, highest scoring player in a division uh, twice. So um, he got 36 goals in Division 4 in 81-82, which was the Darlington season that we talked about. And he got 33 goals in Division 3 in 83-84, which was the highest score in that Division 2. And he won the Golden Boot that, that year. So it's a, it great. It's the sort of player that, that uh, he doesn't appear to be in the game, uh, but he was terrific at making late runs, timing his runs, Johnny on the spot. Andy formed great partnerships with people like Bob Hatton and Colin Morris. But actually, talking about finish, he actually scored one of the greatest goals I have ever, I've ever seen. 
Uh, unfortunately, it's not on YouTube. You can't find it anywhere. Uh, I think Tony will remember which one it was. Um, but Charlie, I'll tell you, I, I'll give, if you remember Pele in Mexico, 1970, uh, the ball came through at an angle. The keeper came out. Pele ran in, dubbed the ball. The mm, ball oh, yeah. inside the river, and Pele went mm. the other. What a, and then tried to stay and hit the side netting. Fantastic. And got rightly applauded for it. But he missed. Keith Edwards didn't miss when he did it. You remember this, Tony? Remember the game? I do remember it. Yeah, I can't remember the game. I can't remember who it was against now. Yeah, it was Bristol Rovers. Mm. The ball came through. Uh, it came, came at an angle. He ran to the ball. He dummied it. The ball went right of the keeper. Edwards went left of the keeper. The ball was going towards the net. He spun round the keeper. And Colin Morris was coming in to tap it in. And I was behind the goal. And he actually shouted at Colin Morris to, mm. to stop because he knew this was going to be some finish. And that's what he did. Shouted at Colin Morris. Shouted it to leave it. Tapped it in the net. What a finish. Mm. That was it, Ch uh, Tony. Yeah, he's obviously he's a legend, legend at the lane, of course, Keith Edwards, and still there, isn't he, with his commentaries on Radio Sheffield. But um, he's got two attributes, all those attributes you say, and then, and then one you've just alluded to, well, both you've alluded to, but um, he was totally selfish um, as, a, as a footballer. It was he was the one that was going to score the goals, not not Colin Morris, who's the provider. And he had this thing, that composure. So he, he had all those attributes to get into position. Like Jimmy Greaves was another classic example. He always scored what seemed to be simple goals, but they needed composure at that last moment before you strike the ball. And, and he, you're right, Jeff, he's one of the best in the business that we've seen and, and both for United and other clubs as well. Might be a guy at Wolves called John Richards. I don't remember him. He was yeah. a similar build and he was, uh, he was a similar type of player. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Great player, but a, a fabulous finish. That was the yeah. point. Okay, okay, that was great. So uh, over to you, Charles, for the final leg. Okay. Um... I said in the preamble about a fantastic player who turned into an unbelievable manager. Uh, but in the midst of that, um, brought his, his career to an end, as a, his playing career to an end. So it was just a, a, a real transformation and uh, something which became um, unbelievable in the end. And I'm talking about Brian Clough. Uh, as a centre forward, I, I always thought one of the best he joined us, Sunderland, in July 61 from Middlesbrough. So Middlesbrough was his hometown club. The fee was £55,000. Uh, and that's, that's a sizable amount of money back then. Uh, God knows what that would have uh, uh, translated into nowadays, but £55,000. Uh, before he joined us, he'd scored 204 goals for Borough in 222 league games. It's astonishing. Uh, so there he is, hometown club, but his relationship with him wasn't wasn't the best either. I think with the board of directors uh, or his teammates for that matter. So whether this was a portent 
of things to come when it, it, when it went over into management. Uh, so poor relationship with these, with these teammates. And one of the examples that I picked up was that uh, Borough drew 6-6 <laughs> with Charlton Athletic. And then he took a pop at his teammates publicly about more like, so how many goals have we got to score to win? And then there was some accusations that uh, the players were, were betting against their own team and, uh, and deliberately letting goals in, etc., etc. So I don't know whether this was him manufacturing <laughs> the transfer or not, but he was consistently putting in uh, transfer requests. So maybe it was like a sign of uh, things that would have come. Uh, but of course, I... I at the time, I'd be like 11, 12 year old. So all, all I could see when he eventually signed for us was 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 hero worship. All this other discoverable stuff later on is uh, was has always been entertaining. When he signed for us, it was July '61, but his career with us came to an end, and on Boxing Day, nineteen sixty-two. So he was only with us for eighteen months, and in that period, he scored sixty-three goals in seventy-four matches. And it, it, was, it was a dream of a, a striker. One of the things that, about him was that he, he played the way that he wanted to play. And that, that right. was it. And of course, if you've got the credentials like goal scoring, yeah. attribute and record the way that he has, n nobody's going to really argue with you. So he would never, never really wander off to the wings or whatever. Or a manager at the time, Alan Brown, said, oh, can you, you know, get yourself out on the right and... No, he, he wasn't going to have that. None of this de defending from the front rubbish. No. <laughs> I mean, they I mean, were all like that, weren't they, in those days? I mean, I mean, this team to score the goals. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, what Tony, it was, it was, it was astonishing. It, 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 I, would, I suppose in that period there, 18 months, it was, it was beyond being a cult hero. You know, where you have some players who just, you know, they engender some... Uh, admiration and uh, affection and he was somebody who like delivered in big style um, and he remained a firm firm favorite of Sunderland fans throughout his managerial career and there was talk of him coming back to manage the club at one point which uh, didn't happen but but there you go but mm. evidently or allegedly uh, that was one of the, the things that he wanted to do but you know time wasn't right Maybe the money wasn't right. I don't. I don't know. But but that uh, how his career came to an end. It was a Boxing Day game against Bury. Um, we were pushing for promotion. He'd scored twenty four goals so far in that sixty two three season. Um, so we were well on the way. It it seemed to us. And the way things turned out, we finished third that season behind Stoke and Chelsea. And it was all decided. I can't remember back then. It wasn't goals difference. I'm trying to think what, what it was that, that determined things. But we ended up, uh, if you like, joined second with Chelsea on 52 points. But Chelsea got it on whatever goals. It goal, was. Average, goal average would it have been then in those days? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember the last game that was, was against Chelsea at home. And there's a guy called Tommy Harmer, who I think might have been a local lad. Anyway, the, the ball just bounced off his knee into the net and that was it, season over, you know. Boom. And in amongst all of that, of course, we'd, we'd lost our, uh, uh, our main man, as it were. Uh, 
But on, going back to the Boxing Day, I've got vivid memories of it. And I was in the opposite end of the ground to where this, this all uh, turned out. Icy, torrential rain, he was put through, can't remember by whom, so it's a one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper, I remember his name still, Chris Harker. He came out, down on the ball, down on, on Cluffy's leg. And really, that, that, was, that was the end of it for uh, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a competition. In fact, I can't even remember now what the score was. Uh, I've got a feeling we might have won one nil, or it was nil nil. We, we didn't lose. And uh, oddly enough, Bob Stokoe was the manager of Bury on the day. Wow. Um, and then, you know, obviously years later, he came uh, to us, and when we appeared in the 1973 Cup, Cup five, when, yeah, when we beat Leeds one nil. Uh, Put it just, 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 sorry, just. Uh, I think we're about 25 minutes in, Tony. Just for the record. All right, okay, and, the, yeah. and we've had the mention yeah. of the 90s. I've, I've made it, I've written it down. If you could make it, yeah. 1973. Was it 73? <laughs> that, <laughs> was 73, wasn't it? If you could just update the ledger, Tony, so that yeah. we've got... <laughs> Sorry. My memory, again, is that he was he was tended to for a fair amount of time on the, uh, on the pitch and then stretched it off, so clearly something was wrong. Now, me, uh, as a 12-year-old boy, I was heartbroken. Uh, and then the news came out, you know, about torn medial and cruciate ligaments in his knee. And not a clue what that meant, but I knew it was very bad. Uh, and effectively, he was out for two years. And he came back, played about three games or so, and decided to call it a day. He, ju he just wasn't the same player. Uh, and he retired from playing at, at 29. Mm. Uh, and I remember I went down, I think it was for the, to get my first season ticket. And at that point, you'd go into the ground and you were snaking through the stands, as it were, to, to, the, t uh, to the office. Uh, and I remember him being on the pitch, just him and a trainer, close season, doing exercises, runs and all the rest of it, just trying to get himself back fit. Um, and it, it just looked um, optimistic to me. Oh, he's, he's on his way back. This is going to be it. Yeah. But it, it, it was not to be. Uh, and another memory I've got of him is that uh, around the corner from where I lived, there was a, a pork butchers called Pounders who were from Teesside. Uh, and Brian Clough used to occasionally turn out, now turn up there after training, shorts, tracksuit top, and his two-tone Ford Anglia. Uh -huh. And you, obviously he knew the family, and it was a flat above the uh, above the shop, and go in, and then of course what would happen is I'd, I'd be there with a couple of mates, one fly home autograph book, we're from coming out probably he's had a Savaloy dip, or something like that, and uh, come out and quite happy sign autographs, have a chat with you, and uh, great, it was it, it was smashing, uh, but his career playing career had had come to an end. And then, I mean, this is it for me. It's, it's that, that interest in him. Uh, and obviously I haven't got time to, to go all, o all over uh, that because it was a, an unbelievable management career. And when, sorry, when was it that he, what was that, what was the year that he, he football? It was 1962 when he, when he uh, well, it would have been 64, I guess, when he, uh, yeah. when he actually acting. Uh, big, uh, 
Yeah. Okay. Whatever 64, 65 season, possibly. And in a way, it's kind of like I'm going to sort of uh, misuse Peter Kay here, but it was like Phoenix, Phoenix Knights from the Ashes. Because, it, I mean, he had a distinguished, illustrious uh, managerial career, um, loads of achievements, and never without controversy. Comedic moments, never that far away, highly entertaining, <coughs> rubbed a lot of people up, up the wrong way, uh, feuds <laughs> with people, falling out with people like Peter Taylor, for example, who was his partner in crime for a uh, for quite some time. Loads of cluffisms, um, many controversial situations like bungs, allegations of bungs on transfers. Uh, <clears throat> and probably everywhere he went, there was, there was a story. So when he started management at Hartlepool, then Derby County, Brighton for briefly, then was Leeds United even, even briefer. <laughs> 28 days. And then, you know, and that, that film, The Damned United, which is uh, which is marvellous and sort of says it all. Then Nottingham Forest, and there we go. He managed Forest from 75 to 93. And within that, two European Cup wins. Um, and just that, his, his own way of doing things. And I think it does come back to something that about his personality, which probably goes back to when he was a kid, when he became a young player. He was always going to do things his way. And we, we all know there's loads and loads of stories about, um, yeah, yeah. about that. Um, and then sadly, 1993, Forrest were relegated and it was time to draw the line. Uh, and often touted as the best manager England never had. Um, face, attitude, maybe didn't fit. And looking at his playing and managerial career, he only knew how to do things his way. I think I think that's 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 the emphasis I, I would place on it. Mm. And then ultimately, as you know, as uh, as well known, went into decline, poor health, alcoholism, uh, and there are huge and so many varied stories about him uh, that I've been impressed by, as well as the 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 downside of his yeah. of his personality. So that 12-year-old boy, me, uh, I continue to take just a keen interest in Cluffy, or as he was known, I think maybe he's more locally, old Big Ed, um, <laughs> because that's, you know, his arrogance, his, uh, his self-confidence, his way, and, uh, and only or no way. Uh, so faults, warts and all, but I, I still had a fondness for him. Uh, and he was a one-off. And he was Brian yeah. Clough, just just a, a very individual, and not many like him, and not like to be anyone like him again. No, mm-hmm. indeed not. And I think we said the other week. I think uh, Tony and I were both at his final game. Mm. It was against us at uh, in Nottingham. He was relegated, wasn't it? Yeah, relegated, and he yeah. he, uh, he gave us a wave because we gave him a a, a warm send off ourselves. Yeah, very warm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just, just jumped my memory, Charlie, about autographs and Cluffy, and I might have told you this before, but I saw him at Rotherham, I think, and I, I'm trying to think whether it was in that last little spell that he had when he came back, and I think it might have been when he'd just come back after that gap. And, um, but it was, I think you were doing well that season, and it was an absolute full house at Rotherham, and that's pretty tight. 
and um, and after the game, I wanted his autograph, and he didn't want to give me his autograph because he he ran out of the ground and off, and I and I set off after him, running after him, <laughs> and and this sounds bizarre now, and I'm sure I didn't dream it. It's a long time ago, but he stopped to talk to two nuns. And when he stopped to talk to these two nuns, I caught up with him. And I kind of, I can't remember what was said, but it was kind of grudging, but a bit of admiration that I'd, I'd kept after him to sign his autograph. And I went and he kept chatting to these nuns, which I thought was marvellous. Bizarre, really. Did he, did, he, did he say, well done, young man? Some, no, yeah. <laughs> not quite, but I think there was some repost, you know, there was some, some comment, but I wasn't bothered I got his autograph, I wish yeah. I still got it now, but yeah. long, gone, long gone that book. Yeah. Absolutely. Happy memories of <laughs> Brian Clough, I agree, Charlie. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Yeah, I've just said uh, that there's a, um, a great set of uh, information about him, a really good read on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. I bet there is. Yeah. Quite, quite detailed, but entertaining. Oh, okay. Lots well, of, good well, ever, and he did what? There's <sighs> loads, loads like that. Read, read, what a, okay, yeah, so, one, one so, it, so it sounds like if anybody wants to uh, have a good reader, that sounds like Wikipedia is a place to go. Yeah. I that's yeah. about, I think that's about it for this uh, uh, part one. Uh, I shall sum up, uh, well, in fact, I'm going to give a performance of the week here uh, out. Oh. Sad. Well, because I've got the microphone at this end, I, I, can, I can do that. Uh, sadly, I'm going to have to put myself in third place. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. But that's about it. It was a tie-up then. Because, uh, Charlie, the fact that you, you could tell a story about a player that finished his career in 1964 and still bring in the 1973 Sunderland <laughs> Cup final is, is hugely impressive. Uh, absolutely, enormously impressive, but I don't think it's as impressive as, as Tony, who, as for the first time I, I've ever known, I didn't realise he was a member of the 92 Club. Well, I know. That That's impressive. That is that impressive. That is very impressive indeed. So, well yeah. done for that. Let's call it a, a, a half-time... Uh, whistle on this one and we'll get back in a few minutes to start talking about uh, first and last but this time with a musical bent rain, rain. It turns the blue. 